Do you love love? Do you love black history? Well, if you do, you will definitely love I'll Tell You What. I'll Tell You What is a sister podcast to your favorite wedding pod, Hugh I Do, and I, Ashley, am your favorite rock tooth or storyteller that can't wait to tell you all about these very epic love stories. Every Monday, new episodes come out where I share the weddings, marriages, and romances of some of our favorite and not-so-favorite Black figures throughout time. You learn a lot about a person when you learn about how and who they love. Now, we bask on these relationships not to be messy, but to remind us all of the passion in our past and to humanize the people we place on pedestals. So basically, it's all love. Black history. You can find new episodes of I'll Tell You What on the Tube of You or YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. See you in the pews. back for another episode of you i do i'm tania and i'm ashley and we have a special guest on today's episode and i can't wait for us to get into this conversation guest do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself i would love to and thank you too for having me this evening um i am the flower guy braun um and i think my real name doesn't even matter as much as it does as the flower guy braun but i'm braun hansborough affectionately known as the flower guy braun and I am a wedding and event designer based in the Richmond, Virginia wedding market. And we provide bespoke styling and floral services for clients all across the Virginia metropolitan area, as well as the Maryland and DC areas. I'm so excited that you're on the show today. We have a lot to- of questions yeah. for you, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, I, I, I may or may not have a lot of answers, but we're, we're going to fumble through them. Let's see what you got. I'm sure you'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> So how was your day? Oh, my day was long. So as a matter of fact, this coming Saturday, we're actually doing our first wedding of 2020. So we've had almost two full months of, you know, no wedding work and while we kind of rest and prepare for the season. So today was the second day of deliveries of flowers and, you know, just kind of getting back into the swing of processing and inventorying and kind of pulling hard goods. So Today was a major paradigm shift from what I've been doing, which is staying in my robe until one o'clock and eating coffee, drinking coffee and eating snacks all day and relaxing. So I'm kind of slowly getting back into the swing of things very slowly. That's good. You needed that time of rest, though, because yeah. I'm sure 2020 is just going to like once it starts, it's not going to stop. And, and it's a long year. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I need this time to focus on working on my business as opposed to always being in the weeds of my business. So it's a very, very valuable time for me to focus and realign and prepare for the upcoming wedding season. Yes. Okay. Very nice. What about you, Tania? Well, today was actually, um, it started off good. However, it ended fairly well. Um, this year I am in the year of transition. And so, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. But today was great. That's good. God blessed me with waking up this morning and, you know. There you so, have it. Yes. <laughs> How was your day? Okay. I'm getting over something. I don't know what it is, but today was better day than yesterday. So I'll take that as it is. So. I guess 2020 is a year of transition for me, too. Yes, Lord. Yes. <laughs> How's wedding planning going? Good. I mean, fine. Uh, had a call with my planner yesterday to discuss things we need to kind of look at and start doing as the year takes way and just having kind of a plan of action in the upcoming months, especially while things are still slow and not hectic because... With every month that passes, I imagine things will become a little more crazy just because the wedding will be here before we know it. So, but besides that, good. Oh, we're supposed to be looking at wedding bands sometime soon. Oh, that's exciting. Hmm, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot. (laughs) Some of this is like fun 
you know, the whole like, oh, planning this, doing this. But part of me is also like, let's just get to October 11th <laughs> where I don't have to like. But how is it that you don't find looking for jewelry fun? What kind of, what kind of, what kind of chicken? I mean, I do. Exactly. Trust me. Trust me, <laughs> I do. Like I've looked online. I already kind of know what bands I'm interested in, but also, I don't know, like maybe me saying it is because we haven't done it yet. And then once we do it, then I'll be like, Ooh, I can't wait to get my band. But right now I'm just like, all right. You're too over it. You gotta, you gotta get into this. You gotta get into this. This is fun. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Maybe like I'll come to myself like this weekend, maybe tomorrow, <laughs> maybe tonight. I'll, I'll, I'll pray I'll on give, it. I'll give you till tomorrow to tap Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's your goal, Ashley. Right. <laughs> exactly. I got homework to do now. <laughs> yep. All right, Tania, you want to get into these questions? I do. Cause I can't wait to talk to you, Brian, about, uh, all of this. So first, you know, I'm combined the first two questions. Yeah. How did you get in the floral design business and how long have you been in the industry? So I've been in the industry now for six years. Um, prior to that, I was a professional educator. So all of my preparation is in education and particularly in supporting students with autism and low incidence disabilities. So that in itself was a very good foundation in working with people and listening and supporting people. So kind of working in that human services capacity has given me, I think, an edge in how I'm able to handle my clients, especially in crisis. So, and we rarely have those, but working with people planning a wedding is like a, a walking, talking train wreck. So I'm able to kind of help them navigate this process a lot more smoothly. Um, and so I got into the industry when I was an undergrad um, studying to be an educator. A friend of mine was working part-time in a floral studio. Um, they were doing everything from sweeping, from filling vases, pulling hard goods, the things that that aren't so pretty in our field and extended me the opportunity to come and do some work with that florist. And that was my first exposure to flowers as a luxury. Um, it wasn't necessarily the moment where I decided that someday I'm going to become a florist, but it was my first exposure to flowers as a, a novelty item. And so from there, I made a commitment to myself that when I buy my first house, or when I have my first place, I'm going to have fresh flowers in it, no matter how they look. And they looked awful in the beginning, but then it just kind of grew. And I literally had a friend who was getting married and they asked me if I wanted to dabble in the flowers for their wedding. And so I didn't do the personal flowers, the bouquets or the boutonnieres or corsages. Um, they just let me kind of play on the table. And that's what it was, it was play. Um, so I played on the table and did the centerpieces and they gifted me my first set of hard goods, which were five by five clear glass cubes. And I cherish those baby cubes. And I think I still might have one in my office that's like, that is my first inventory. And it's been, it's been smooth sailing since then. Wow. Baby cubes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, a baby cube. Okay, so let's transition to the wedding floral arrangements. For those who may not know, what's the difference between a florist and a floral designer? Okay, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. Because a lot of times people just assume that they're one and the same. So most florists, you can walk into their workspace and purchase something. Um, they have a cooler that has offerings. They're able to put things together for you. I mean, and really most florists have flowers. A floral designer, you can walk into my space at any given time and I might not have anything in there because we're event focused. And so our flowers come in at a specific date and time and then we work with them, we get them out the door and they're gone. So the biggest thing is, you know, outside of being able to come in and have a transaction with the florist, um, that's the number one. But the second thing would be a designer more focuses on a bigger picture as opposed to just the flowers. So that's kind of the the differentiating factors between a florist and a designer. Basically, FTD is not designing your wedding. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and I love FTD. It works for a lot of people. 
but that's right. not what you're going to want when you want someone who's going to consider other design factors such as lighting, such as scale, such as, you know, all the other things that come together to make the event successful. Mm-hmm. Okay. So similar question, difference yeah. between floral designers and event planners, or are they the same? Are event designers and floral designers the same or? Oh, that's a good question. Cause we have a lot of planners who have delved into other aspects of um, the industry and I don't knock anyone for exploring options and seeing what works for them. And I'm, I'm sure some people do it very well. Um, I would say that the biggest difference between a floral designer and a, an event designer is that event designers aren't necessarily florists, but a floral designer can typically, in my case, I can do most of the things that the event designer can do. I mean, the only thing, the, the distinguishing factor is that an event designer can put everything aesthetically, visually together, create a vision board and, and really create, you know, what this will look like but can't necessarily implement every single part of it. And yeah. I can subcontract the vendors, the same vendors, but I also can now do the flowers as well. That makes sense. Okay. And I've noticed looking mm-hmm. at just different planner websites, I'll see um, them say, you know, we offer full service planning, which mm-hmm. is all the logistical stuff, of course. And then the month of coordination, which is, yep. you know, what that six week out type of four week out, coordination of the logistics of everything and then they'll say event design and i'm thinking now sis did you just put that on there just (laughs) just to make it seem appealing because i feel like brides don't really know the difference until they're planning their wedding because they think wedding planner is the person that's going to hire the team and get like you tell them the colors and vision you have and they're like, yeah, I'm gonna put that together. No, yeah, I don't I'm, think that's always I'm, the case. I am so glad you mentioned that. There is a big difference between being a designer and having good taste. And I think that, that when you think about it, I can make my living room look like something out of, you know, a home magazine because I have good taste. But when you get to start to consider the different things that you're, you're formally taught as a designer, we all cannot do that. So I think that we just got to caution ourselves as the industry to make sure that whatever we're branding ourselves in, that we are true experts in it. So we don't fall on our faces and we don't set our clients up for failure. Because even some of those same planners that I talked to when I was looking for a planner, they might have, they do the event planning, all the like, oh, event design, this, that, and other. But then when you ask them a question, they're like, oh, I'm not putting nothing up. I'm not, then what did you, you, so (laughs) like, what is it, you know? So perfect. That, I love how you explain that. But I also feel like brides probably think that way because of what we see in the movies or what we see like in the media, because all we see is a, is the planner um, and they're coming around with the team and, you know, okay, you're going to do this part and you're going to do this and you're going to do this, you know? So we really don't get to see, you know, everything that happens behind the scenes. So. Totally. totally. I, I agree 100%. It's just a matter of exposure and doing your research and making sure that your expectations are reasonable and the person that you select is able to exceed them. Um, So what are your biggest misconceptions about floral designers? That we're drama kings and queens and (laughs) (laughs) we're hard to work with, we're indifferent. Um, We want to take over the entire tabletop. Maybe some of these are true. Maybe they're not all misconceptions, but I do think that there is this prima donna notion um, where you're dealing with anyone who kind of works in the design space. And I know I've had some clients come in and they're like, you know, from your, from your Instagram or from your Facebook, I would have never thought that you were, you know, so down to earth and personal. I'm like, I have a personality. I'm fun. I like to, I'm not so serious. So yeah, I think that people (laughs) just automatically assume that when you work in a design space that you're going to be like flamboyant and over the top and, you know, hard to kind of kind of vibe with. But I think people find pretty quickly that we're just, just like them. We just are creative and they're not. Exactly. So, okay. 
Let's get into these good old trends. So what are the top new trends that you foresee taking over in 2020? Maybe they kind of started to creep in towards the end of last year, but what is really going to be the thing this year? Okay. Well, you know, as I look across the world and kind of noticing what, what we're doing internationally in the events realm, we are seeing a new trend called MOHO. What does that mean, you ask? Well, it's a modern boho. So we, we were probably very familiar with the boho movement that happened several years ago, mm-hmm. but now that's actually refining a little bit and it's becoming a little bit more modern. So we're taking combinations of things that are like soft and then mixing in stronger textures with things that are a little bit more striking. We're also seeing some contrast of color where as before, you know, we focused so much on a color wheel and making sure that we blended the colors and that everything was very well balanced. Now we're seeing a lot of striking color and colors that aren't so usually associated with with wedding florals. For example, I'm seeing a lot of mustards um, and those kind of yellowy tones and those tones go very nicely with the corals that have never really gone anywhere. So we're seeing some really interesting colors and um, pompous grass is very, very popular. We're seeing a lot of bleached and enhanced greenery and floral products. And I, 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 when they first started, I was kind of very, I was very apprehensive. I'm like, ah, I don't know about it. I don't really want to incorporate it. Then I had a bride who came with a huge budget and she wanted to create a desert in a medieval ballroom, if you will. Like the the craziest juxtaposition of style. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to get into this pompous grass and this um, these bleach products. So... <laughs> Um, got into it, and I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. So I think look out for the moho, especially the pompous grass and some of these bleach products. I will also say that we're seeing a lot of trailing installations coming from the ceiling. And that's very exciting because I am a huge fan of installations. Um, And these installations are giving you an opportunity to create intimacy in what would be a big, open, ghastly space. It also lends itself to making it feel opulent and over the top and then also alive because we're seeing a lot of greenery being, you know, hung from the ceilings. Um, We've seen even some really nice grid work with with garlands. We're seeing a lot of people smilaxing columns and just creating spaces within space using the greenery. So I think that that's going to be something that's going to be big this year. Then also, we're getting off of just having flowers and decor on the tabletop, and we're seeing them do a lot of installations on staircases and soft seating areas. We're creating vignettes throughout the guest experience where we have more opportunity to provide flowers, um, mantelpieces. I mean, the sky really is the limit. When you stop thinking about, okay, what do my tabletops look like? And we can say, well, where will my guests be? And how can we create a moment there? That's where we're starting to see flowers everywhere. I think another thing that's big is color. Um, I'm seeing a lot of bold colors, the berries, um, a lot of those purples and fuchsias, those really bright tones. It's especially in the African-American community, we've always connected with color. So I think that um, we will continue to see brown and diverse couples choosing, you know, bold um, color palettes for their weddings. I will say that I am a blush fiend. And I know I say that because people are always like, oh, it's going out of style. We're tired of blush. I'm like, listen, you never go wrong with soft and romantic flowers. I will always be in business doing this. Now, my friends who are a little bit more avant-garde, and I mean it when I say my friends, that are more avant-garde and play and dabble in those super rich tones, I'm like, have it. There is something for everyone. But for me, I will all blush, ivory, soft tones will always be on my trend list. Now, everybody might say it's going to go, but has it ever gone? My mother had the same ivory blush palette in the 70s. And look at it now. I'm still doing it every weekend. So I think it's going to be something we see. We are seeing people move towards dried flowers as opposed to um, your traditional fresh flowers. Sustainability is key. 
Um, a lot of people are talking about global warming and how we're just not being so kind to Mother Earth. So people have, I have clients who want to know how the flowers were farmed. Are they chemical free? That, that's not the vast majority, however, um, when we think about what's going on globally, this is something that we have to think about. And then something that's going out, I don't think we're going to see so much of the all white. I think that that was, that was definitely a trend. I do know that, that black folk, we love white because it looks good. on. I was about to say. <laughs> it looks so good on us, but I'm not having as many clients coming looking for the more monochromatic look. They're looking more for incorporating color in some, in some way, shape, or form. So those are just a few of the things that I'm seeing um, on the horizon for 2020. And I'm excited about implementing them into my design. Now, expert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Y'all should have seen me when he said blush. I was like, yes, yes, for the blush. Yes. Tania <laughs> wants child blush, rose gold. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, what trends from 2019 will continue into this year? And I'm pretty sure you've already touched on this, but. So, I would say that greenery is going nowhere. Anytime, and we've, we've had some pretty significant weddings in the last decade in royal, wed, royal weddings in, specific, in particular, um, and those tend to be the weddings that I pay the most attention to. Um, Harry and, well, the Duchess and Dutch, Queen, whatever the world you call them, <laughs> the Duchess and the Duke, whatever, um, when they just got married a few years ago, and had that elaborate greenery entrance and the walls and the ceilings of the, the cathedral in Windsor Palace was just overdone. I mean, and not in a bad way. It was so tastefully done in greenery. I think that that sparked, again, the, the, the next lifespan of greenery. So I think that we will continue to see greenery um, used in excess for weddings. And I think that it's a good thing. Again, it, it definitely suggests life and vibrancy. And I think that those are good aspects of design for wedding work. I think that we'll continue to see walls, but I don't think that they're going to continue to only be flower walls. I think that we are going to see incorporation of a lot of greenery, living walls, ferns, um, hanging plants incorporated into the walls, where it's not such a focus on roses and hydrangea and those type of textures. And again, that also goes back to the sustainability piece. And so that's what I'm thinking we're going to see uh, a, a kind of a, not a change, but a shift from you know, we're just going to plug a lot of flowers in it to making it a little bit more intentional and sustainable. I also think we're going to continue to see a lot of the big bouquets. Um, the larger bouquets are still going to be in style, even though Kate Middleton and, you know, the royal bouquets are petite. Um, I still think we're going to still see quite a bit of big bouquets coming out, big striking bold colors, a lot of texture. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm talk your head off about what's, what's in and what's out. <laughs> That's why you're here. All good information. Definitely. Um, yes. So what floral designs from events or even huge weddings that have been in the spotlight um, within the last decade are still prominent now? I think that goes right back to those royal weddings. Mm -hmm. when, when a royal couple gets married, it influences the entire industry. It influences the globe. So right after Harry and Meghan got married, I had a ton of requests for bouquets similar to hers. Same with Kate Middleton. You know, everybody wanted, you know, the same, you know, Lily of the Valley, you know, those standard um, royal bouquet style flowers. So I would say without a doubt, the most recent royal wedding is influencing the wedding market drastically, especially with greenery and just over the top texture and opulence. It's crazy that we have to wait until like a royal wedding just to, you know, like get on board with, I guess, like the trends, you know? Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. I mean, because how many what love and hip hop weddings are we really being exactly. inspired by? Exactly. Like you, you didn't see yeah. people after like Gucci and Keisha Kaur got married. Like people. Now let's be clear though. I watched that special, <laughs> and I got all of my life. I love. <laughs> it. It, it. I wouldn't say that it was my style, but. Right. It was over the top, and I, I was like, "Y'all better get it, y'all." <laughs> 
Yes. But I have yet to have one couple come and say, you know that wedding that Keisha K. Oren and Gucci Mane had? I want that. I right. want that. Hasn't happened yet. Exactly. For good reason. <laughs> I didn't say that. Uh, but I did. I'll own it. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> it's your podcast. So yeah. <laughs> but I will say, I mean, even maybe... Not the Keisha Kors and the Gucci's, but Eva Marcel's wedding um, to Michael Sterling. Um, what was that? Last year, year before, yep. whatever. Yep. Two seasons ago, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, that, to me, felt like something that I could see being replicated. Um, and especially because of her relationship with, like, L.E.B. And um, mm-hmm. I think she was even on, like, Muna Lucci. I mean, she... Yeah. She basically was. and I, before that it was probably what uh latoya luckett in that the one yes 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 but they're few and far between basically yeah. mm-hmm. so akeem did a beautiful job on that wedding for um eva eva that wedding was absolutely stunning it really I, was i enjoyed it every was. aspect of what i saw published kudos to my friend in atlanta hey hey <laughs> yes <laughs> all right so Describe any, like, floral trends for the bridal party that you foresee continuing in this year. You know, that that was a really good question, and I've actually still been pondering it. So one of the things that I, I do pay close attention to um, with, my, with my couples when they come in and we're talking about personal flowers for their uh, attendance, and what I'm noticing more and more frequently is that the the bridal party quantity like the size is going up again like at one point like i was kind of consistently with like the five and six number now like i have 12 13 14 i'm just like what is happening like do we have like were you in a fraternity and a sorority like what's happening here (laughs) Um, but with that i'm seeing that the the bridesmaids bouquets or the the people who are carrying bouquets and wearing boutonnieres um you know honestly they're getting smaller but there are also some couples who aren't using them at all. We're seeing some couples that are moving to a more untraditional thing where I have some guys that are wearing lapel pins and don't want the boutonnieres. I have some people who are just like totally foregoing personal flowers because they're just like, you know, I I want the flowers and I want the focus to be on me. And, you know, my girls are wearing these over the top gowns, floor length gowns, off the shoulder numbers, all black. Like I just kind of want it to be clean and sleek and I don't really want to worry about flowers. So we're seeing a lot of different things, but nothing that I can necessarily pinpoint as a trend, um, but definitely seeing couples that are going untraditional routes and either opting for minimal flowers or none at all. Completely agree. I am one of those couples. How many? <sighs> Nine. And mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be like a four or five. <laughs> and I looked up and I was like, ooh, okay, well, we're here. So, yeah. um, but my girls will have cuffs mm-hmm. instead of holding a bouquet. I nailed it. See, I'm telling you. You know <laughs> it. You've been on it because, I mean, you even hit me like Tania's blush, but I'm the berry. I'm the mustard. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, I'm telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> so what type of flowers are not as popular as they were three to five years ago? Okay. So I would say that I don't see couples asking as much for calla lilies. I don't see couples asking for flowers like lily of the valley. Um, flowers that have historically kind of stood for like 80s and early 90s. Um, a lot of times couples have been pushed to use these flowers because that's what their mothers had. And you kind of got into this rut of seeing these antiquated flowers and they're beautiful in their own right. But I think that the more modern couple is looking for flowers that they can uh, uh, kind of pair with and that kind of tell their story. So we're not seeing so much of the calla lilies, lilies of the valley, um, just those kind of flowers that are more associated with, you know, weddings that were 20 or 30 years ago. So, but we are seeing um, ranunculus and we're seeing, you know, um, parrot tulips and we're seeing, you know, butterfly um, ranunculus, like flowers that are more whimsical. And I think that that, that, is, that aligns with the generation that we're serving. And not all couples fall in with, into that millennial category, but 
um, that is the largest group of people that are getting married. So, you know, just keeping that in mind that that's impacting, you know, the type of personal flowers um, and the selection of flowers that people are going for. Are we still seeing baby breasts? <laughs> so how about this? It's so funny you ask that because I literally wrote baby's breath down on my notes um, for this question. And so funny, baby's breath is never going anywhere, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Well, I say it fortunately and unfortunately, because I do see, I know how I could use baby's breath and take your breath away, literally. The, the difference is 10 bunches versus 200 bunches. And any flower that you take and you load it in, like I've, I've done a arch in all baby's breath. I didn't think I was gonna like it, but literally the, it was probably three feet in diameter all the way up, over and down. And it was, the volume was so heavy that you can't help but love it. It's like, oh my, like, can I like climb it? Like, what is this, what's <laughs> happening? And I, I wasn't excited about about the installation until I got maybe midway through it. And I'm like, oh, this is breathtaking. So it just depends on the application. I don't want to see baby's breath on the tabletop per se, but I think mm -hmm. for installation purposes, it comes in handy, especially if we're talking about those ceiling treatments and kind of things coming from the ceiling. Um, they also have a lot of great options of baby's breath and dive options. So I'm just like, hey, you know, especially following the color trends and bold and vibrant tones, you know, I, I, I can't 100% knock it. Now, is it in my studio every weekend? Absolutely not. But, <laughs> but there is value to one of the most, uh, I, I, it's probably one of the most popular flowers of all time outside yeah. of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I remember having a meeting, um, one of my first consultation meetings was uh, my floral designer and she was like, please no baby's breath. <laughs> you asked that question, I was thinking, you probably feel the exact same way. <laughs> yeah, I empathize with her. As a matter of fact, um, I had someone that stopped me outside of my studio yesterday and asked me a few preliminary questions about pre preparing for their flowers for their wedding. And she was like, you know, all I really want is baby's breath and sunflowers. And my heart stopped. And I thought to myself, like, are you going to crack her face now? Or are you going to waste her time and crack her face later? <laughs> I just kind of gave her our Instagram, our social media. And I was like, you know, just take a moment, look through this and see if you connect with anything here. Because, you know, if you're looking for baby's breath and sunflowers, you probably will be able to realize that we probably really aren't a good fit. Um, but I can refer you to someone that I know does baby's breath and sunflowers extremely well. So yeah, I, it's, it's, not, it's not my medium. Um, and the, that wedding that I mentioned that had the large arch also had a lot more flower guy bronze signature things going on, which made it kind of worth my while and aligned, aligned with the brand. But yeah, I'm never really excited about it. But if, if I am forced to work with it, I can. Well, you got to respect that. So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so what centerpiece designs are gaining popularity? You want me to tell you the truth? You want me to lie to you? Be real. Yeah. Candles. Candles, 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 hmm. candles. I have more clients coming through my door now asking for the glow option. And I just made that up. But people are not always flower fanatics, even though they know that they have to meet with a florist. And when we get to the question about, so what do you envision for your table? And this is a couple who has already given me some, some good feedback. You know, when we're talking, they're like, well, you know, we're not really flower people. I'm like, bing, got it. Oh, we're not really this. Oh, bing, you know, flowers aren't that high on my priority list. Bing. Okay, cool. So I don't expect them to say, yeah, Bron, I want tall centerpieces on every table. I want, you know, this, that, and the other. So I already kind of know I'm seeing couples come in wanting to use a large amount of candles and I love it. I, it doesn't compromise my profit at all. Um, we still charging for labor and you know that it is what it is. And those candles are heavy, all that water, all that floating. Yeah, how many do you want? Because <laughs> <laughs> the check will still clear, okay? <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I have created a space so I can accommodate the clients who want your traditional centerpieces 
and clients who are like, listen, let me glow up in here. So I'm seeing a big influx of clients that are looking for the light alternative as opposed to floral centerpieces. I love that option because I think I want to glow up as well. I know, right? It's all about yes. the glow. Yes. But Tania, you might want both. I, I can see you with... Oh, no. Like, really? Well, I don't know. You are a candle girl. I am. Like, I am. And so when he mentioned that, I was like, hold up. I think mm-hmm. I want to glow up. <laughs> you travel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so are we opting more for flowers on columns near the altar or at the altar? Or are we going more towards like these floral-based arches? Yeah, so I I have not seen enough of one or the other to make a distinction. Right now, I always encourage my clients to focus on their altar to frame it out in some way, no matter where they are. I am seeing, I mean, I would probably say it's 50-50. Half of my clients want the clean, you know, pedestal with, you know, whatever base option they've chosen and, and tall florals. Then I have a, a great amount of clients who want the fabric type and drape structure or, you know, some type of floral column or asymmetrical situation. So I don't, I don't think that I have seen enough of one to determine it as a trend. But right now I'm seeing all of the above pretty equally. Okay. What is a unique way to display or incorporate flowers into the wedding? Well, I think if we can think of any place where flowers aren't usually, that's where I think you should incorporate them. For example, I, I insist that all of my clients have flowers in the bathroom. Now, are we putting the tall centerpiece in the bathroom? No, we're not. Hmm. But there's nothing wrong with the buzz vase, especially in the women's restroom and lounge. That goes a long way. It's called being gracious. And when your guests see that, they're like, oh, there's a dad, somebody right there. (laughs) She thought of of everything. So I think of stuff like that. I think that the the moment the guests, say, for example, your guests pull up, you have, um, you know, the car service, people are going to, you know, take the car for them. The moment they get out of their car, I feel like they need to start an experience. So I think the entrance of your venue, regardless of where it is, can, can be a very good start to the experience. We have a beautiful venue here in Richmond. When you walk through the door, you have to walk up a series of stairs. I mean, it's not great for those who don't walk so well, but it's good for looks. And it has this beautiful railing. And I'm just like, this is where we need to start. It's too late if we get them to ceremony. It's like, oh, this is beautiful. Like, let's start the jaw-dropping moments the moment they get in the building. So that, that's what I think. If wherever you don't historically see flowers is where I think you should see them. I, yes, I love that as well. It's an experience. I get it. Okay. So... What are your thoughts on artificial flowers? I'm about to surprise you. I think they're fabulous. Really? I think they're absolutely fabulous. Now, let me tell you, let me me unpack that now. Right. So, let me unpack it. So, there are florists that are thriving all over Instagram, Facebook, and in business thriving, not just like social media winners. Like, they're winning at the bank. And you would never know that 50, 60, 70% of their presentation is silk. For me, all of my flowers are fresh with the exception of some Phalaenopsis orchids that I do have in silk. Now, my reasoning and rationale behind using them is that I can't afford for it to droop because they took over $20 of stem in some cases, I needed to always sit up and be pretty. And then when I'm making my tall centerpieces, I can then manipulate it and tuck it how I want to tuck it and then snatch those Judy's out at the end of the night and put them in a tote. (laughs) We're going to tote them up and we're going to use them the next time. So I have learned how to incorporate a silk product into my designs that work for me. Um, I think that that silk products, when bought at the highest caliber, are more expensive than fresh flowers. And I have seen some real touch silk products that I have purchased that will blow a regular flower out of the out of the ballpark, or at least give the exact same presentation. So let me clarify: the flower got bronze, 
is not going to give you a whole arrangement of silk products. What I will do is toss in a few silk stems that will give you the presentation that will exceed your expectations every time. And I don't have to worry about no droopy orchid. Makes sense. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. And then you think of one more thing, like you think about the flower wall movement, you know, like the rule of thumb for, for designers is that if your guest can touch it, it needs to be fresh. If your guest can't touch it, for example, ceiling installations, a flower wall on the stage behind the sweetheart table, um, anywhere if they can touch it, <laughs> you'd be surprised. It's chill. Um, when you think about Preston Bailey, a lot of his large ceiling installations, those are not fresh flowers most of the time. Um, so, you know, and, and this is not a, it's not a secret, but just the lay people just don't necessarily know it. But yeah, if you can't touch it, it's, it's not fresh usually. As long as it photographs well, that's all. There yeah, you go. exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's all about the picture. That's what's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the flower wall. Like, what are your thoughts on it? I think the flower walls are gorgeous. I do think that they have um, probably seen their their time. And I think that that's why we're moving more towards the living walls and things that are a little bit more sustainable. Um, I, I have not had a request for a flower wall in a season. So that, that, that suggests to me that, you know, although a wall of flowers will never not be beautiful. <laughs> I think that we're seeing people kind of take a different approach on it and finding other ways of installing flowers that give you better return on your investment. For example, we're seeing like the ceiling installations. We've taken the flowers from the walls to the ceilings, from the ceilings to the, you know, to the floor. I mean, the, the, the sky is really the limit to what we can really do with flowers. And so I think that the wall was the beginning of this revolution of exploring where flowers can go in an event. So I love them. I think that they're gorgeous, but I do think that if we're going to be doing them this day and age, I think we need to find something that makes them stand out a little bit more. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what type of flowers or arrangements are you noticing black couples more than any other type of couple more likely to use? Yeah, by far, most of my, my Black couples love my big over-the-top centerpieces, and I love making them for them. Um, I think that, you know, coming from a culture of, of people who have been oppressed and not afforded the opportunity to have grandiose and over-the-top luxurious items, I think that that drives the, the desire to have this style of an event, and I love doing it for them answer. So we've noticed that Black couples frequently, as you mentioned, go heavy on the floral arrangements. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that is? Is it because of the oppression or is are there other reasons for the grandiose kind of yeah, wedding know, aesthetic? You, when you think about what a wedding looked like for my great-great-grandmother who was a slave, they jumped a broom and then they had a pig picking. We've, we've passed that, thank God. You know, thank mm -hmm. God that, that 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 is not where the story ended. And I think that a wedding signifies to most African-American families uh, an opportunity to showcase themselves and to present themselves to society. And I think that it's very important for Black couples and Black families to put their best foot forward. And um, aesthetically, for weddings, flowers are probably one of the bigger ticket items and one of the, the easiest ways to say, we are proud, we are here, and we can do. And, and every opportunity that I have to, to support those decisions, I am here for it because I, I think that every family deserves to have this caliber of wedding, um, not just, not just the, the one percenter. Love that and, there's, and, there, and there's some of us in the one percent too. Don't don't think that we're not there. Very yeah. true. Very yeah. True. <laughs> Absolutely. How does the Pantone color of the year affect a wedding design for the upcoming year? So it, it affects everything. So I will have an influx of brides who do want to incorporate blue into their into their wedding, and honestly. I love it. Blue is my personal favorite color. I think when people think of like blue for a wedding, it's like, well, how do you really do that? But when you mix that blue with that ivory, with that white, with that blush, with that coral, 
you have a whole vibe. So I will definitely see the Pantone color of the year impact flowers, but I'll also see it in the clothes that my brides and couples are wearing. And I'll see it in fashion for your home. And I think that as couples are out and about and they're shopping for clothes or they're shopping for accent pillows or for curtains, the blue is going to be everywhere. Then it's going to kind of infiltrate and it will influence their request for blue to be incorporated. And it's subconscious. Um, they don't they don't know that that's happening, but that that's usually how that kind of spirals. Okay. For each of the seasons, can you tell us what colors slash flowers would work best? Because a lot of people don't know. Even I don't know this. So let me tell you something. And mm-hmm. you might think that I know, but let me tell you this. I encourage all of my couples to have whatever color suits them. My I got married in July. My colors were chocolate and green, like a couple of shades of green. Don't nobody think of those colors in Miami of all places, but they were our favorite colors and the colors that connected with us. And so I daggone sure was not about to have an all white wedding, which was real popular when we got married six years ago. Um, I was gonna have exactly what reflected us. So I don't want anyone to be hung up on seasonal colors. I want you to I want you to pick from a color wheel that speaks to you. And then if you can work in I mean, really and truly, seasonal flowers are great. And I think that that's a wonderful thing to do, but it's in season somewhere everywhere. So if you got I mean, most flowers are coming from Central America um, or Holland. So there's hot houses and greenhouses creating everything all the time. So I wouldn't limit myself to what's in season and what colors are typically associated with what season get what you like i love that answer because i would have never thought to do chocolate and and like you said green right yeah because miami's all about bright you know yes i wanted my clothes to look like me (laughs) (laughs) no but i love that yeah and that was that was when i learned that i was like Oh, so what am I supposed to do? But I kept coming back to the colors that spoke to me. And that was when like the chocolates and the coppers and, you know, that really nice emerald green and that hunter green. Like I had several shades of green, Um, but that also goes to what's trending, that life and vibrancy, but then still wanting to ground it with a color that, that I trusted. And for me, that color was brown. I didn't even know. Wait, like, are there flowers that are brown? No, so brown, I incorporated the brown more so like with um, the attire for the gentlemen, like their their accents were brown and chocolate, Um, like we had chocolate napkins and stuff like that. Mm. So no, but there are are chocolate variations of some roses, Um, even um, some other more artisan flowers come in chocolate colors. Then now we're dyeing everything anyway. Well, not we, but the wholesalers and the growers are dying. Yeah. So you can get flour any color you want. <laughs> See, I did not know that. I like the fact that you didn't allow a place um, in the stereotypes of the colors of that area dictate what you were doing. Because I feel like a lot of times, even just in planning, sometimes people and brides and grooms, we can get caught up in, okay, we're having our wedding at this type of venue or this type of location. So it has to look like this, or Mm -hmm. we have to do it this way because everybody else that's had their wedding on a beach has, Mm -hmm. you know, worn this type of dress or had these type of colors where it's like, no, not really. You can do whatever you want. Like a wedding, especially something you're paying money to host this event yeah you can do whatever you want you want children you can have children you don't want children you don't have to have children you want like your attendants to have flowers you can do that if you don't you don't have to like there's nothing in there that's like you're not going to be legally married unless you do blah 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 like is you you get the certificate and you're done really the rest of it is just for show so yep right so now we're gonna get into a quick round or quick game of this or that um we'll throw out two options and you tell us which one and why Mm, so we're gonna 
start off with dried flowers or live flowers? Live flowers. Donating flowers or giving them away to guests? Let's say donating them because the guests have already had an opportunity to experience them. So maybe you give them to someone else so they can get double duty and be appreciated twice. Oh, Ooh, before you move on, I have a question and I've been wanting to ask this question. Of course, it's not on the list, but yeah. what do you do with the flowers once the event is completed? I hate to have to answer this question and break everybody's heart. So typically, most of the time, the flowers is waste. Um, the, the thing I have to consider is that in order for me to, it's not just as simple as like pack them up that night and drop them off at a nursing home. Like that, that, that sounds great in theory, but it's never that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's labor costs involved in getting them there, bringing them back, reworking them if they needed to be reworked. Um, it's usually not just that simple. So a lot of times, I'm going to say at least 80% of the time, whatever is not taken that night from the family ends up in a dumpster. Wow. And that's, it's unfortunate. Um, but from a, if, I, if I was thinking only, you know, eco-friendly, I, I, in business, I can't only think that way. I have to think of the event is over. Mm-hmm. The labor has been paid for, and I have to dispose of these these goods. Like, mm-hmm. the, the, it, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword. If I, ha- I wish I had more couples who would, you know, identify family members to give stuff to. And I try mm-hmm. to get, push just many things out with vendors. Like, hey, you know, photographer, you, you want to take some flowers for your wife? Hey, you want to take some flowers for your dining room table? Whatever. Take, 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 take. But at the end of the night... I can't bring them back to my studio and clutter up my stuff because I got the next event to prepare. So, you know, couples, I really would want you all to start thinking ahead of time. What are you going to do with your excess flowers? Um, but one good use is to repurpose them the next day if you're going to have a brunch. And I do have some moms that are just like, I'm taking everything home. And I have moms <laughs> everything. Like they back up their SUV and threw all the flowers in the back. And then she said that she was just going to break the arrangements apart and have flowers in her around her entire home. So, you know, there's something that can be done, but that responsibility can't lie with me. They're your flowers. <laughs> you, what are you doing? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so Good much question. for answering that. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. But if you saw, if you saw the dumpster at the end of the night, it's, it's a tra- tragedy. It's tragic. Wow. Uh, tall or short centerpieces? Tall. Flowers as a hairpiece or as jewelry? Neither. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Like, goodbye. Like, no, no, no Nisi Nash flower. Are you not happy you got to wear the flower now? Like, stop. <laughs> I don't like making them. I think that they always look a little weird planted on them. <laughs> You don't like a good flower crown? It's not 2004. I I do flower crowns quite a bit in okay. my well they're done in my studio. <laughs> okay. Monochromatic arrangements or a multicolor arrangement? Multicolor. Depends on what the color is. <laughs> okay. True. All right. So, final question. What floral advice would you give to a newly engaged bride or bride-to-be, rather? That's a really good question. And I was thinking about this in terms of when couples come into my studio for a consultation, like what holes in the storytelling do they have um, that, that I have to help them feel, the, feel that would be easier if they came already equipped. Now, what I would say is that I think that couples would stand to do a little bit more research on the cost of flowers. I think that I, I know personally as a designer, I'm tired of being the gut puncher and the person who is just ruining their lives and making them look real inadequate with their budgets. Like that's not a space that I want to be in with people. So I think that if you're working with a planner, I highly suggest that you talk to your planner about realistic numbers for bu- for your flower budget. You know, don't just only use Pinterest as your inspiration. Take that Pinterest inspiration picture to a professional and ask them, hey, what, is, what, is, what kind of range, what are we looking at here? So that way, when you meet with your florist and I say, oh, well, this is a $15,000 conversation. And you're like, well, baby, I had 1500 
and I have to kind of crack that face. And it's just a terrible feeling. And I, you know, and I'm like, well, maybe I have something for you. It is not a custom package. You know, I do have some, you know, some some a la carte things that we can do for you to stay in a more reasonable price point. But that's not where anyone's trying to start when they're having a meeting with the floor. So I just strongly recommend doing your doing your work and your research and have some realistic ideas about what you really want to spend on flowers. Don't look at, oh, well, the knot said, and I'm not bad mouthing the knot, I'm a not wedding web pro educator. But when they send out those, oh, the average price for flowers in your region is 2,500, for what though? <laughs> like, well, what you getting? Like, I just want to know, like, <laughs> you realize we just pulled pictures from Eva Marcel's wedding, right? You know, that was probably like a $200,000 plus wedding. So. Let's just make sure that your wishes and your bank account align so that I don't have to be the bearer of bad news. Great way to end that. <laughs> Ooh, but I have one more follow-up Of course question. you do. Of course I you do. You. <laughs> so for those brides who are planning their own wedding, um, how early should they book you? Well, okay. So this is the thing. I would say anywhere between a year to eight months. That way it allows you to make payments if you need to kind of start putting money into it without having those big, you know, um, huge, huge, huge lump sum deposits. And then it also kind of gives you time to have an idea of what you think you want, but then also settle into what you actually want without having to feel like you're not getting something that you want. So I think anywhere between eight to 12 months is the perfect amount of time to start planning for your, your floors. Okay, perfect. Well, we're not going to get rid of you just yet. We're going to move to the unsolicited advice portion of the show, which is where I provide some advice or give advice to all you bride listeners, every now and then I give vendor advice, but really advice to other brides uh, that they didn't ask for because that's what happens all the time when you get engaged. So my advice for this week, and if I've said it before, goodness gracious, I apologize. But when you start getting to the point of like a bridal shopping and all that, instead of inviting everybody to the trying on the dresses or whatever, once you pitch your dress, cherry pick one or two people to come with you to the alterations because there's going to be a whole bunch of them between like what the eight weeks I think leading up to the wedding so bring the groom's mom to one bring a bridesmaid to another or however you want to do it just so that it's not like 12 of y'all sitting up in somebody's bridal shop looking at like 15 different dresses so that's my advice for the week good Good advice. advice Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, Tania, take it home. So now we are moving into the wedding vendor love shout out. So, Ashley, we'll start with you. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what, Brian? I mean, if you want me to. But... No, 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 no. Brian, we'll go ahead and start with you. <laughs> All right. Well, I would say there's two wedding vendors, um, both florists and designers that I pay a lot of attention to that are idle material for me um, in terms of, you know, everything that they produce, I connect with it in some way, shape or form. And the number one is Rachel Klingit. Um, She is based in Canada, I believe in the Toronto area. And I connect with her work because what she does is interprets everything soft and romantic. It's, It's timeless beauty. And then out of Las Vegas, Nevada, um, there is a gentleman there named Javier Valentino, and he is doing things with flowers and natural products that I've never really seen before. So he is definitely a mover and a shaker and has influenced me and my design quite a bit. So those are my two, Rachel Klingon and Javier Valentino. Love it. All right, Tania, who do you have? (laughs) I love how you just did that. Um, but I have a photographer. She's based out of the DMV area. So her name is Terry. Her Instagram is... Yes, yes. I, yeah, I just love 
like her, I guess I'm going to just say artwork. Her Mm -hmm. pictures are very animated. And I love, you know, that she's not just taking a picture of two people or animated. Lifestyle photography. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. We do have the opportunity to work together. So that's exciting. Yes. And so I love that. So, uh, so on Instagram, of course, you can find her at, at Terry Baskin. Um, and that's T-E-R-R-I-B-A-S-K-I-N. And you can find her at terrybaskin.com. So look her up. All right. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. I am going to shout out an Atlanta-based officiant. Her name is Minister Melinda on Instagram. She's minister underscore Melinda. Her website is officiantatl.com. She, you know, some of some folks don't have church homes or like, a, you know, I mean, we're millennials. Not a lot of us are going to church like that, that. So some people need someone, you know, and instead of like, not everybody wants to have that good friend or long family friend, like, go online and um, become a minister so that they can officiate the service. You have Minister Melinda, Melinda Guess, who has done premarital counseling. She's a wedding officiant. She checks the boxes. So if that is someone or a, a, a vendor that one is looking for, I highly suggest Minister Melinda. So that's it for me. Very nice. So where can they find you, Bron? Yes. <laughs> well, they can. I can be found on every social media platform, just about with the exception of TikTok, which is so new to me and foreign <laughs> um, because I am in, well into my 30s and TikTok is just not anything right. that I can relate to. Um, yeah. But if you're on Instagram, you can find me at the flower guy, Braun, and that's spelled T-H-E-F-L-O-W-E-R-G-U-Y-B-R-O-N. Also on Facebook, The Flower Guy Braun. But what I'm most excited to share is my Facebook community called The Village. And The Village is a motivational community for event professionals of all types to be able to learn from one another because I have learned that none of these events can be produced without the village and team of vendors that participate to make it happen. So if you you are a wedding and event vendor, please search The Village, a motivational community for event professionals and request to join and I will accept it and just engage the community so that we can learn more about each other and and just grow the community of wedding and event professionals. So love that. So, so love that because, you know, we're all here for like positivity and sharing within Mm -hmm. the industry but also like within brides and Mm -hmm. you know we all have a seat at the table there's all we all have information um that we can share with each other that's part of the reason why we even started this podcast is because there are a lot of things you don't realize until you're getting engaged or until you're engaged or planning a wedding that you didn't know beforehand um but at the same time that there are all these different vendors and there are so many different styles of weddings and we don't like, there are nuances within each vendor, within each bride, within each wedding. And so we can all just share and love from each other. You know, it doesn't have to be a competition. So I just love that. Any vendor that we talk to moving forward, I will probably highly suggest like, hey, have you heard of The Village? Yeah, please do. Yeah. And I appreciate that feedback. And um, we've learned that, you know, it's free to be kind. It doesn't cost us anything. And that there's power in collaboration. So, you know, the more that we can, you know, create seats at the table is one thing, but Oftentimes when we're creating place settings, we don't open up that table to everyone. We get in that rut of, okay, well, this is my style of designing and you know, this is how I do things and these are the people who relate to that. But if we're going to open up the table, we open it up to everyone so that we can learn from each other and grow as a group as opposed to pockets of growth. And, you know, I, I just I just see a lot of value in that. So thanks for, 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 the, for the vote of confidence. I don't know what I was going to say. That was basically, that was enough. Yeah. So thank you. Thank My pleasure. You. My pleasure. Tania, where can they find us? Well, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Wed 
on all platforms. And of course, you can email us at whoidowhat at gmail.com. We have a website called whoidow.com. Oh, where you, yeah, that too. You yeah. can, <laughs> um, if you have any questions or uh, you want to come on the show or what have you, just let us know. Hit us up there. And you can also listen to older episodes that maybe the platform of your choice um, has archived and you want to go back and listen to an episode from say week six but Spotify might not allow you or you didn't download it on iTunes and maybe now it's too late you can always uh, just go to who I do but uh, oh yeah and then we all uh, just just check the show notes for how to follow us I don't feel like yeah. all that um, <laughs> Brian, thank you so, so much again for coming on the show. You have given us such a great conversation, such a wealth of information about um, the floral design industry and just things that, frankly, neither one of us knew. Oh, well, good. That's the goal. So hopefully if you all didn't know it, there's other people that are listening that didn't know it. They've learned something. Exactly. Uh Well, thank you so much. Yes, Um, thank you. My pleasure, ladies. So we're just going to wrap this up. Y'all have a good week. All right. right.